I am hoping that we get a Ryan Gosling from Blade Runner 2049 hunting down a predator. Because that, and then like after he kills it, it's in the future. He maybe kills it in like a garbage dump or something. Below him, he sees a jacket, picks it up. What's on that jacket? A scorpion on the back of it. Golden mm. scorpion. He puts mm-hmm. it on. Yeah. And then we're connected to Drive too somehow. Somehow. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Alon. And this is David. And today I finally watched Alien. I am so surprised you have never seen Alien before, David. It's a, it's a classic. It's classic in sci-fi and horror. Well, as the many people that listen to us talk <laughs> would tell you, I don't watch uh, horror movies before we started doing this podcast. So that's I, why. Okay. I, I, I know that, but like, I feel like Alien is way more like a sci-fi staple than a horror staple. Right? At least... Uh, that's kind of my memory of it before sitting down and watching it. You know, I, I was sitting, I was watching it. I was like, I remember very few things about this film. And then I really thought about it. It's like, it's been over a decade since I've seen it last. I think I saw Aliens more recently. And then, of course, I saw Prometheus way more recently than that. Um, have you have you seen Prometheus? I have, actually. It's the only alien movie I've seen. Okay. And I'm not sure. I'm I can't remember back if I knew it was an alien movie when I saw it, to be honest with you. <laughs> until the end, until the like the xenomorph showed up at the end. Probably that was the surprise that gave it away. Um so that's good. Okay, because I wanted to talk a little bit about Prometheus before um well during our talk uh, about this film, but I, I didn't want to ruin it for you because I think I like Prometheus. I think it has some good attributes. Let's let's get into Alien. It starts out with a kind of a very slow meandering tour of the Nostromo ship that all these guys are like in cryo sleep on. Uh, and then we like we see them waking up. One of my favorite things about this movie is the pacing of this movie. It doesn't like it doesn't spend a bunch of time on like crap we don't need to know right uh so like as soon as we saw see like the first guy wake up from the cryo sleep and everyone else is like getting up it's like hard cut to them all like around the dinner table eating which i thought was really cool yeah yeah i agree i i i like to going around and you know seeing the ship right that the opening of it like it's a it's a cool design for a ship um it's like very dark and dreary and like the opening not the opening because the I, the opening of the thing is pretty like you know it's bright right it takes place in the day but like the i don't know this movie had a very much the thing feel to me which i think what the thing came out like a year later i i think what reminded me most of the thing was the production design right like the the set design like the way they set up the ship versus the way they set up the um arctic lab is a, is very similar in in feel right would you agree uh a little bit yeah but i mean it just the thing is desolate 
and you know this is desolate right they're way out in somewhere that you know antarctica but then in this they're way out in a ship out in the middle of nowhere um what they said they're at one point in the movie after they wake up from cryo sleep they're 10 months away from earth um and also the the ship was designed by geiger who designed the aliens in this and that actually i've told you this story before but that does lead to probably from 2008 on why i haven't watched this movie because i went to the geiger museum in switzerland and was pretty disgusted by it what's funny is apparently they had to tell him to like tone down the sexual nature of the alien which in that museum is just like xenomorph dildos everywhere (laughs) um what's interesting about that is that i feel like there's parts of the movie where you kind of see this negative space behind some of these characters and you don't know if it's the xenomorph or just like piping within the ship. Like they do a really good job of like making the, uh, the, the interior of the shuttle look alien like, even though I think that's supposed to be like the most human thing about it. Um, and that plays very much into what happens at the end where he's just like nesting within the, the ship and you don't know that that's him at first. But I feel like when they catch wind that he's in the air ducts, um, I guess it's a she, right? I, I, whatever. But when the alien is in the air ducts and like, is it the tail is like, like you see something in the background move like slightly and you're questioning yourself as the audience. Like, is it the tail of the alien or is it just like a hanging part of the ship? Um, so everything that he designed, I feel like is meant to kind of look similar to each other. It's clearly a male alien. Okay. Um, uh yeah well i mean and once again you have the same guy doing it so obviously there's going to be some connectivity to the to the design of each um i think also though this is like this is basically like a tugboat spaceship right it's towing what like an oil refinery i think is what it's supposed to be towing um and so it's like it's just gonna look like a piece of shit ship that's like I mean, it's just like uh, function over form. You know, it doesn't need to look great. So I'm not saying it looks bad. I'm just saying like like sometimes you look at the piping and you question yourself. Is that piping or is that the alien hiding in there? Um, And I think that kind of attention to detail really played a big part in the anticipation of the thrill aspect of this movie. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I never really thought of it that way. I, um, the, the older movies, like older movies like this, like sci-fi horror films, it's kind of telegraphs when stuff's going to happen, right? Like the first real kill we get of the huge xenomorph is like when Brett goes off by himself, right? Breaks like one of the tenets of scary movies. Um, and then uh, Dallas does the same thing. Um, so it wasn't, 
there was very rarely a point where I was like, oh, you know, it could happen at any moment. I was like, we're going to know when something's going to happen. There were a couple jump scares I'll talk about when we get there, but um, for the most part, yeah, it sort of telegraphs. I um, One thing that was interesting from the start of this is I don't know that I've ever seen John Hurt as a young man. <laughs> like uh, the thing I know him most from is playing the like the Hitler type character in V for Vendetta. Um, and then obviously Ollivander and Harry Potter. But and a bunch of shit, obviously, that I'm just like pegging him to these two roles later in his career. But so seeing him in like such a young role this like long ago, it was interesting. Same for, uh, you know, Tom Skerritt, who we last saw in um, Top Gun that we just did. Um, so it's just it's interesting to see like these people that I know, but like in this like early role, it was the same kind of feeling I had in the thing with Kurt Russell, right? Because mostly I've seen him in his later stuff. Um, so seeing them like this young is just like, it's like, oh, yeah, shit, they were young at one point. And it's, like, cool to see them, like, I think this is Sigourney Weaver's, like, first role, too. So, um, yeah, that part, like, was not lost on me. The other thing I like, too, in the beginning is the white room where Dallas, Tom Skerritt, is, um, like, goes in for information. It's, like, looks completely different than the rest of the ship, the design of it. All white with buttons everywhere that just blink randomly. You, you, you mean mother, I mean, yeah, if you want to call the room mother, I guess, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what they called it. I mean, I, I understand, like, that the ship's AI, it, its entire, like, integrated system is mother, but I think that's, every time they're like, hey, let's report to mother, or like, hey, let's get information from mother, they always end up in that room. Um, Actually, I, for me, I think one of the biggest jump scares doesn't even come from the alien when we get to the point where the characters realize like, oh, we're, we're woken up way too early. What are we doing here? What's like our new mission and whatever. Um, from, from the point where they want to go to this, like, uh, well, they don't really have a choice to go to the planet, but they go to the planet and then everything they do from getting back from like the alien planet slash ship, all of their decisions are horrible. Like every single one of them makes horrible decisions, which ultimately led them to their doom. But were you surprised how stupid everyone was? Well, the one thing I noticed from the beginning is how they basically set up like Sigourney Weaver is the most intelligent. Um, she's like the um, Chris Evans character from Sunshine, like the logical, intelligent, the one that really should be in charge, but isn't. Um, and everyone else just, yeah, like the captain Dallas just keeps making mistakes, right? He's like, well, I'm outside, so I want to be let in, even though I should be quarantining, like you need to let me in. Cause I want to, um, the other thing though, is like just a lot of things in the movie don't make sense to you until you realize like maybe three fourths into the film that this company is basically working behind their backs to, uh, get this alien back to earth i guess um as like a a war machine basically because like it's in their contract that they have to go answer this sos and it's like why is that in your contract well that doesn't make any sense you know what i mean and then right i so i saw prometheus and like spoiler if you haven't seen prometheus right but there's like an a there's a robot plot in that i don't even know if that's a i think that's known from the beginning of the movie but um the Ash thing, even though I saw Prometheus, was a complete surprise to me. 
but yeah. everything Ash does. So everything Ash does was like, this makes no fucking sense. Why is he doing this? Why? Like, what is he just the most inept evil character? Like what is going on with Ash? <laughs> yeah. I mean, once you learn that Ash is a, is a robot AI, it, everything starts making sense, right? He's the one that overrode Ripley's decision to not let them in. He, you know, he, he overrode the doors and opened the doors. He's the one who didn't like double body scan Kane once he's woken up because I don't know, like, why wouldn't you body scan him again and see if he has like a baby alien inside him? Like everything, everything dumb kind of resonates from the fact that Ash is. Ash knows that none of this will affect him because he's not human. Right. Like that's that's where it's like. But also he's he's just got like a different he's basically like how from 2001 he is a he is just focused on the mission which he's been given um and the rest of it doesn't matter the uh the other thing too is um i was like how did they break the ship just by landing on this planet and then you realize that that probably had some, like ash may have had something to do with that too because otherwise oh. it's just so convenient no i just took it that the you know when they opened the the pod bay doors <laughs> Uh, you know, when they open the doors and it, the, the weather was like so harsh and, and horrible, I took it that the terrain and the weather just damaged the ship on the way down. It's just like so circumstantial, though. I, I at least like, yeah, I don't think they address it that he could have done that. There's a lot of things they don't address that he may have been a part of. But at least for me, it's an explanation that it like makes it make a little more sense to me that like, oh, maybe he did that. Well, the other thing, too, you talked about how... Um, you know, why didn't he do a body scan? But I guess when Ripley walks up on him and he's looking through the microscope, that's him supposedly looking at like the, the baby alien in the stomach is what that he's viewing. Like a piece in a, of it in or a, something. In a microscope? Oh, a piece of it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he, he could feed them bad information. He was like, oh, yeah, the tube down the dude's throat is definitely feeding him oxygen. It's like, no, that's putting like alien semen down his throat or something or what whatever it took to, to put the baby inside the the dude um what when they come up okay so here's what i wanted to talk to you about do you think alien life is just common for these characters because when they get to the the planet and they find the ship and they go inside the ship and they see this giant alien like in a seat when and you and i know both know it's like you know the the attachment to his face and the ripping out of the thing is from prometheus like that is the same ship from prometheus um i their reactions like kane's reaction and dallas's reaction is like oh yeah it's an alien look at that like have is this not the first one they've seen is it very common well i think that guy is the one who supposedly sent the distress signal so yeah i imagine they're talking with non-chest bursting aliens all the time probably um, you so, see what I mean, yeah. though, because then if it's like if it's not their first run in with aliens, then then they played everything very stupid, especially Kane. Sorry, but Kane deserved to be the first one to die and to die exactly like that, because he goes, he finds the eggs and then he's like, oh, there's there's bio organism in here. Dude, why stand over it as it like slowly opens up, like just book it, like get the hell out of there. Yeah, but if they have such a um, 
such a like a, a knowledge of aliens and they're probably like a why would it, you know what i mean like they might not be aliens normally might not be something they should be scared of right i guess that's where i'm questioning their knowledge of aliens but that i mean that they shared a common communication tool with the alien that died above right he was able to send an sos on a in a way that they would they would receive it it wasn't an sos it was a warning which which it's kind of weird that that Ripley finds out that it's it's a warning and not an SOS. And then when they are like, hey, let us in through the doors. And she's like, no, I'm not letting you in through the door. There's like mandatory quarantine. Why didn't she say, look, it wasn't an SOS. It was a warning. And now we better be super safe than rather than sorry. You know, it wouldn't have mattered because Ash was going to let them in. So it doesn't really matter. And that's before um, we knew Ash was a double agent. One thing I thought was funny, um, they like landed 2,000 meters away from the like distress call. So they, they had to walk to it, which like in this, it makes a little more sense because of like the terrain they had to go through. And like the distress call was from coming from like a ship that had crash landed or whatever. But it reminded me of Interstellar where they landed 2,000 meters away from the distress beacon. And it's just this flat water. They could have landed anywhere. And they're like, let's just make it harder on ourselves. Yeah, especially since time is not our friend on this planet. But yeah, no, for this, it's exactly why they did that. Because they probably couldn't land anywhere else uh, due to the terrain. Um, So they get... Kane gets infected. We don't quite know that yet but when they're led inside the ship um the way they break open his helmet and then the the does this have a name the thing on his face it's like the face hugger the face hugger that's that's what we're calling it okay um it's such watch alien movies call it uh it's such a cool design especially like the mechanics as it's like tightening around his neck Originally, the face hugger was supposed to be green, and they got the they got the mold back for it, and it looked like what it looks like in the movie. And they're like, "Oh fuck, this is way better," and just left it left it that natural color. Natural. Uh, you know, it's, so yeah that that part is obviously cool. The design of it, I, I felt bad for Lambert because she's like freaking out. She she did play a little bit of like a a woe is me like damsel in this movie instead of like, you know what I mean? Like I think they could have made her a little tougher, but honestly, I don't know what her role was. So maybe, Hey, maybe that hey, wasn't hey. Something. there's only one room for, for one tough gal on this ship. Okay. So the tough gal goes in one room and then like, what are there's separate rooms or did you mean yeah. there's only room enough for one? There's only room enough for one gal. Because how big is this one room? Shut is up! It like a. <laughs> um, so we get back to uh, Kane, who what he has to. They, I like when they cut the face hugger, and the acid part is really it's ingenious. It's yeah. like a it's such a good idea to like one. It it sort of reaffirms what it's reaffirmed later by what Ash says when he's like, this is a perfect killing machine. Cause it's, yeah, it's like, you can't even do anything to it. It's, it's made of acid if you kill it. Right. <laughs> um, so th- that part is really cool. And just the whole, the whole cane part, like the beginning of this movie, the first 
hour or whatever is super slow, but it's all interesting. And yeah. so it like it keeps you going until you then get to the point where like the later parts are the like the kind of the the thrilling part, the scary part, the you know, the the horror movie. But the the beginning is still so so awesome. Yeah, no, I mean it keeps you intrigued. Everything from like the fake science and everything like that. Especially the back and forth, because it's such an emotional roller coaster where you have Kane, he's still alive, they they want to keep him alive. And then another dumb thing they do is when they go back inside the room and the face hugger is off of Kane, they leave that door open behind them for such a long period of time. I have I the was exact like, same thought close that fucking door immediately they finally do it and the face hugger is like up in the ceiling or something but um but then they're just like oh kane's fine there's absolutely no other test or quarantine that we should put him in <laughs> let him not only join us in the main room but also eat right alongside us let let him also like you know cough in our face and shit like that too yeah i um I mean, but what do you expect, though? Like, once again, it's like if we're to assume that they've met aliens, but they haven't met these type of aliens. And then he like you see Kane. He's just like, they're like, how are you doing? He's like, what do you mean? What does it look like? I'm doing great. You know, Um, I I don't know that it's like unexpected them because because also this is when they find out, like right before this um, Lambert's like, yeah, we have 10 months left. So they all have to get back into cryo anyway for the rest of the trip. Um, one thing before we get to the exploding chess scene, cause that's, I know where we're going next. There's a couple things I want to say, like one, I don't know if it's necessarily a common trope, but it is something I always think about in these movies where characters basically have been given a job and they finished it, but they continue on in a place where they shouldn't be. So in this scenario, they're supposed to go check out this SOS that they think they find out, Oh, this alien's dead. They should leave right then. There's no need based on what they've been told to keep going. And Lambert's like, we should go. And Dallas and Kane are like, nah, let's just crawl down this fucking tunnel. Uh, And so like that always like, it's like, oh man, you just, you you didn't even need to do it. There was no need. And you like cost, Kane cost everyone's life except for Sigourney Weaver because of course she's going to live obviously. Um, They call it laziness. But movies time and time again show that you should never go above and beyond the job that you're given. Do they do that? (laughs) Horror movies do. So we get back to Kane is discovered as being fine. And they're like, all right, let's go get dinner. Uh, And then we got to get into cryo sleep. And this scene right here. It has to be the impetus for the thing scene where it pops out of the chest, right? Like to the point of the way the little alien runs away afterwards <laughs> reminded me so much of like the, the thing well, the dude's head growing legs and crawling away and Kurt Russell seeing it. Still yeah. like my favorite moment of that movie when they like just blast it. Um, it's just iconic. Did you know that uh, the, the exact way it was going to pop out, like the exploding and the blood and everything. Um, Many of the crew members, the actors, they didn't know that it was going to 
be happening like that. So the surprise shock on like Lambert's face and Dallas's face getting sprayed with blood is genuine, like shock and horror. Well, yeah, I mean that, yeah, that obviously makes sense too. Like that, they used to do that type of shit all the time. There's a scene um, in this that was cut where Lambert slaps Sigourney Weaver and apparently she kept Sigourney Weaver kept flinching, which of course, like when you're getting slapped, you're going to flinch. And so the director told, uh, told Lambert to just really fucking give it to her. And it's like, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. You, you can't, can't just do that. Anymore. You can't as a director tell someone to slap the shit out of someone. I mean, if they agree on it. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. That, like the, that scene is so cool. Well, the other thing I read though, the, is that there's like a rumor or a myth that it was all filmed in one take, but if you, but that's not true. It apparently took two takes. And if you look at it, when you watch it in the movie, there's a first, it pops out a little bit. And it's like, just looks like a hole. And you're like, oh, nothing really happened. And then it pops out again. That first pop out was like the failed one, the first take. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's just, it's really, it's really like a well done scene. It always surprises me. Like, obviously that's why this is a classic, but it always surprises me when you go back and watch a movie and things hold up, you know, cause I've seen like a new hope where the technology does not hold up. Right. Uh-huh. But when you see like this, or like the thing, how cool that looks, or 2001 that we just did. It's just so impressive because it's so long ago. It's all practical and it just looks, it looks amazing. So this is kind of what I wanted to talk about comparing this movie with Prometheus is that Prometheus hits a lot of the same beats, right? You got this like uh, AI robot guy that looks human but isn't human that's really out for the com- the benefit of the company and not the crew members. You have uh, one of the crew members being outside of the ship too long in the alien ship getting face-hugged and infected with like a baby alien. You have that in both movies. You have them like one of the crew members not telling them how you know someone else is infected you have that in both movies uh you have uh then that crew member like infecting the rest of the um or putting in danger the rest of the crew right so you have a lot of the the same parallels that alien hits that prometheus almost just recycles again that's why that's why i feel like prometheus wasn't you know I, I think it was a good film, but it wasn't given as high of regards as it should have been because I feel like people have seen, I felt like they've seen it before. I don't remember Prometheus that well to agree or disagree with you. I thought it had like a lot of a different story. The And also the different way it went with the fact that Fassbender, you know, he's a robot the entire time, right? And I also think like that movie. Do you? I don't with- remember if you do. I think you do. Um, Mm. But I think what that movie does is it plays with, is he good or bad? I think a little bit like it plays with what his motivation is. If I remember correctly, I think it comes out. He's like kind of good, but I don't once again, I haven't seen that movie since theaters. Um, Whereas this movie, like, yeah, the whole, it, the, the real part of it. That's like the thing is one, like when you watch this, watching this now, after having seen the thing first, I'm like, all right, who's infected with the alien? Because for a while I was like, 
is Ash infected with like an alien that's controlling him? Especially the scene where he starts beating the shit out of everybody. I was like, what the fuck is <laughs> happening here? Why does he have superpowers? And I was like, oh, he starts sweating stupid. milk. And I was like, this is kind of stupid, honestly. And then you find out he's a robot. I was like, oh, okay. All right. They, they brought it back. Um, aliens? Dumb. Robot? All right. Makes sense now. Well, and a parasitic alien in your stomach giving you superhuman powers. Like the idea that that short white guy could beat up the six, four, um, was it Parker? Yeah. It's just asinine to me. Like it wouldn't happen. So when you get like an explanation that makes sense, you're like, oh, okay, that's why this is an awesome movie. Um, yeah. and what, a couple clues too, that we didn't talk about. So, uh, Ripley wants to get rid of the face hugger when it falls on her and Dallas is like well Ash is the science officer so he gets to decide and Ash obviously is going to keep it um, and Ripley just goes up to Dallas she's like I don't fucking trust this guy what is wrong with you like uh, how long have you worked with him as a science officer and he's like I worked with a Dallas says I worked with a different guy and they basically just gave me this guy last minute like that should have been the first clue that something was up, and I guess you know something's up, but I don't know. I just never thought robot. Well, you definitely know something's up because you're you're absolutely right. He he's acting weird. He's acting like you know non empathetic at all. Um, it it does. It makes you feel like he's on the alien side. Like he's doing everything to pr- promote this invasion of the ship. Um. But I love. Okay, so my biggest jump scare, honest to God, was nothing to do with the alien. When Rick was in the uh, weight room, yeah. When when um, Ripley is in the mother. mother room, and then all of a sudden, fucking Ash's head is just peeking out next to her. I was like, holy shit. What's funny, though, is at that point, I was still like, oh, well, she's like bigger than you and probably stronger than you. And I was like, what? And then she starts throwing her around like, what the fuck? But yeah, that is like, that's a good jump scare. The one that got me and jump scares don't get me. And this this one really is kind of interesting that it still like made me jump was Lambert loses the alien on the radar as Dallas is there. And then she's like, oh, he's coming up on you. And then Dallas turns and it's just is there. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Just, even though you knew the alien was coming, you didn't expect it to be that way. It was almost as if the alien yelled "boo." It was like "boo." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and what's funny about that scene is that when he started going down the the ladder, at the last second, you hear Lambert's like, "No, not that way. Like that's the way it's coming from." I was like, "Shouldn't you have told him that?" Like to start, you know. Yeah, but I couldn't tell what the fuck that screen was she was looking at. Was it like a a 2D with like the dots lower or below? Or was that just like a top view of the vents? I don't know. Like- I don't know. I think it was a top view of the vents. That's that's my understanding of it. Um, because then you couldn't tell what level the alien was on right. at that point. Um, did you appreciate the landing screen when they were landing on the ship? I know I'm backing up a little bit here. Didn't that remind you of the landing screen from 2001? The, well, like with the squares? Like, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, so 2001, uh, Star Wars A New Hope, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, apparently like the, the what Ridley Scott said, he got his inspiration from. from 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah, the inbred aliens. That's right. Well, because the selling of this is like, this is Leatherface in space. The other one, obviously, like, this is Jaws in space, which Uh I've talked with you about this before, and this, like, definitely affirmed this for me. The couple times you see the full alien, you're like, that's a tall guy in a suit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's yeah. some skinny legs. That's a leotard around his legs. That's just a tall guy in a suit. Um, it looks very impressive when they just show the head. It still looks impressive when you show the whole thing. But, you know, one of the things that I heard about this, I actually think I heard about it on like a Futurama um, commentary commentary track where they were talking about how uh, originally they were going to show the alien a lot more and they just made the decision not to sort of based on jaws maybe a little bit um to just show it a lot less and i think that's obviously super effective they still show it a lot but it's only got like four minutes of screen time in the whole thing yeah and and you, you know what's funny about that too is i'm pretty sure they did the same thing with um i was gonna say they did the same thing with predator but with predator they actually shot the whole thing basically and they thought the design for the Predator was so bad that they went in, redesigned what the Predator looked like, and then reshot all the scenes with it. Um, as technology, you know, gets better and better and better, take Prometheus, for example, that's not a guy in a suit, right? That's like a full CGI thing. But it looks so good. And the way they have like their legs bent and like crawling on walls and shit, that's way scarier than having him stand there looking like a, a guy in a suit right no yeah absolutely you just mentioned predator and i feel the need to bring up one of the most awesome things i read about this and that is that ridley scott has said that blade runner and alien take place in the same universe and also alien and predator take place in the same universe and with the success of prey the latest Predator movie, I am hoping that we get a Ryan Gosling from Blade Runner 2049 hunting down a Predator. Because that... And then, like, after he kills it, it's in the future. He maybe kills it in, like, a garbage dump or something. Below him, he sees a jacket, picks it up. What's on that jacket? A scorpion on the back of it. Golden Mm -hmm. scorpion. He puts Mm -hmm. it on. And then we're connected to Drive, too, somehow. Somehow. Um... So I, I'm hearing a lot of great stuff about Prey. I, I haven't seen it. I don't think you have either, right? Um, I But I've, I've been hearing a lot of good stuff about it. One of my favorite things that have come out of, of the successfulness of Prey is people thinking like, oh, what other horror movies can we just drop into like different time zones? And like it works, right? And they were like, why does Alien have to be like either in the present day or in the future? Why can't Alien be, like, way in the past? Like, drop a couple aliens in feudal Japan, and you got yourself a fucking movie, you know? I've seen that meme about 70 times since Prey came out. Yeah. And, I mean, they I think they already did, uh, Was it was feudal Japan, right? When they dropped the Ninja Turtles in <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, and that worked what, out. One of my favorite uh, things that came out of that meme, if you can call it a meme, is make a new final destination movie, but make it in an 1800 pirate ship. I mean, it's like all the deaths take place on the ship, on the ship. 
Yeah. It's pretty confined. I think like Final No, no, no. Like the first No, no, no. Like the first you know, the every someone gets a premonition of like all the deaths happening in the first scene, all that happening on this on the one ship. But then like they land, they get to shore, they like live out their pirating life or whatever, and then all the deaths start happening again. But everything is like, you know, that century, that that time. So, you know, people are getting beheaded by cannonballs, um, accidentally trip onto a guillotine. I don't know. M- make stuff up. Did you just say guillotine? Your dad's going to disown you. What do you want me to say? A guillotine. A guillotine. It's a guillotine. What do you want me to say? It's a guillotine. Oh, guillotine. Whatever. It's a double L. I don't know if it's double L. Can we get back to it (laughs) without (laughs) you? This pitch meeting that our episode has turned into. (laughs) We are at the point where the search party gets brought up basically an episode of scooby-doo they're divided Mm -hmm. into two teams yep and dallas does something really smart he separates ash and sigourney weaver because that wouldn't have worked out very well nope and i at this point i'm like why the fuck is there a cat on the ship like i didn't really seem to understand that is that scooby-doo uh no that's jonesy (laughs) no (laughs) <laughs> you're such an asshole um so have you ever heard of the term save save the cat no. like when when writing a script you've never heard of the term save the cat it's like a is it a reason for the protagonist to go back and do something kind of stupid it's a it's a more danger <laughs> no it's a reason for the audience to like the protagonist even more and i'm i'm pretty sure it came from from this movie um when you're writing you owe it doesn't have to be a cat it doesn't have to be this specific thing it could be a kid it could be a dog it could be something but the protagonist has to go back and like save an innocent to like prove that they're good enough to be the the hero of the story and uh obviously literally it's a cat and ripley does it many times in this film so that's why we have the cat i guess but like you like Ripley, right? Like, like you don't need you don't need really. You know, I can see it in maybe scenarios where you have a character that you're not sure about, and then it does something like that, like saves a cat. Um, in the beginning too, I thought they were gonna kill the cat because they send Brett after it. Like Brett, you let the cat go, go get the cat, and then I don't realize until the end that that's Ripley's cat. <laughs> right jonesy yeah yeah so i um that that it, like i don't think it was necessary but then in this part i was like it it just left me confused like what what the what the cat was there for um because they don't explain it until the end basically yeah also was the cat i guess the cat was also in cryo sleep with them for all these years I think so, because then she what she puts it in cryo sleep at the end. So I guess yeah. that's what that was. Um, this is the point where Brett goes off by himself, and obviously uh, he's gonna die. And it's just a matter of how long it takes. It went on for a while. It was super intense to me. Um, yeah, was funny. He goes into this one room, and there's like light coming from above and water. And I was like, 
what the fuck <laughs> is this? Like, what what room of the ship? And apparently, the studio and the producers were like, "Yeah, what is that? Doesn't make any sense on a ship." And Ridley Scott was like, "I know, but it looks cool. <laughs> I just want to keep it in." So Taylor had the same thing. Taylor watched this with me, and she was like. Is that like alien pissing in his mouth or something? And he's just like, he's just taking it all in. Uh, I think they said something about how the um, the atmosphere within the ship changed, right? So I took it as like maybe that was like a condensation off of off of something. They were also talking about some sort of like abundance of coolant that they have on the ship. So maybe something like one of the engines was like. I don't know. I don't know. I was confused on why he was letting it in his mouth, but yeah. I think he was just like thirsty, basically. So I don't, I don't know. Um, the death is really cool. I like, you know, obviously the way they use the cat to kind of the the classical it's behind me. And I don't realize it's, it's basically a fucking Looney Tunes cartoon. As long as I don't know it's behind me, it won't attack until I recognize that it's there. Um I, I was then afterwards like Parker and Ripley are describing it. And I was like, why didn't they didn't show them run in? Right. So it's like, right. But they definitely had to have seen it, I guess. It was just weird the way like it cut to that. No, I, I agree with you. Um, I also like how the cat just looked very nonchalantly at like his friend dying. Just cat being a cat. Oh, it was a nonchalantly. It was like, <laughs> yes, yes. Kill him. <laughs> um but yeah they were described they were like it's as big as a man it must be over six foot tall i'm like how how do you know the only thing i could think of is that maybe they saw his body they saw i i you know what honestly i don't know does he eat them because they they never saw dallas again um i think he does i'm not exactly sure so uh, originally the the predator or sorry the predator the alien was supposed to be like more sexual in nature no um like there was rumor that or like theories that he raped uh sexually assaulted lambert when he took her because you see like the blood and all that but um from what i read it was basically he like (laughs) the reason she died is he tried to push her body through a hole in the air vents that was too small so just fucking like destroyed her oh Um, shit but the there was also supposed to be a sex scene between Dallas and Ripley and um, the alien was supposed to have seen it, but not attack. And so then later on when the alien at the end, when he gets on the pod with her, Ripley was going to be completely naked and it was going to be kind of a, a sexual thing going on between them, which is like, you know, not that we needed the sex part of it, but like, I guess I didn't really fully comprehend like when I was like, oh, why is there a cat on the ship? But this is basically like their life, right? And so a part of the aspect of like the sex between Dallas and Ripley, they talked about having like a lesbian relationship between Ripley and Lambert. All of that was because th- there was just like a lot of casual sex going on. There was a lot of like, we're stuck in this situation. So it's like, whatever, which I guess they do more in Prometheus. Um, let's see, I don't remember that movie. It's a long time ago. But I like... They obviously had to take those aspects out of it to like probably for rating purposes or whatever, but it was it's interesting to read that. It's it's always interesting in these movies when you like I think probably Blade Runner's a good example or like the thing or whatever. When you read more about like the director's vision of like what some stuff that didn't get put in was supposed to represent. 
and then you you read it and you're like oh it gives you a more full picture you like the movie more but they didn't have the time to put it in i always find that interesting so what you're saying is that the alien fucked dallas and they made him disappear yeah yeah probably i mean we don't even know how they have sex in this although if you go in the the geiger museum it's pretty clear that it's very similar to us where is that is that in like switzerland it's in switzerland got it so i know we talked about quite a bit how ash is a robot and like how the crew members come to figure that out but when they're like fighting him basically right like all three crew members are fighting him um and finally they just kind of like head the guy i love how they go from like this robot mold of his head to like when they get him on the table it's just actually his head and then when they like shut him down or like they start burning him it goes back to the robot like dummy version yeah no it's it's one of those things that's like kind of funny but it's like you have to you kind of have to like let that go right you have to understand like when this was made and like you know the limitations right of course, of course, yeah. And also, in like in in twenty twenty two, with like how shitty CGI is lately, like it probably still wouldn't look great. <laughs> yeah. Um. Did it ever explain why he drank milk so much? Yeah, I didn't know what the fuck it was. I was like, so I thought it was like alien juices coming out of him. I think I said this earlier. Like, I thought he was like that was 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 going to be the big reveal because. And we skipped out of this a little bit, but, you know, Ripley takes over and she's basically like, all right, we're going to systematically go through uh, and shut down the vents to kill this thing. And um, Lambert's screaming, like, let's just get on. Let's just get on the, the ship to get out of here. The what the uh, the little pod to get out of here. And apparently it only fits three people. So that's not even an option. Right. Um, but I like the dialogue between Parker and Ripley, them yelling at each other because they're speaking over each other, which is like feels more real but they don't usually allow that in movies because it's kind of harder to hear both of them right and that's exactly what this is but their their dialogue is so like guttural and real and just like it doesn't the words don't matter it's like the emotions that you just kind of get it as they're yelling back and forth but um you know that happens and then we get sort of a little confrontation with ash and ripley where she's like i'm gonna go talk to mother because you know this isn't adding up um and then that's the scene where we get like the jump scare you described from Ash and like then him just having superhuman strength, which made no sense to me at the time. And so that that is such a it's such a great reveal. And it's just so surprising to me that I didn't think about it and that it was like it it was nice to like not have one of those ruined for me, even though I should have figured it out. I think for us, it was about like uh, the the times of this twist being in this movie. Like, I feel like we would have seen this better if this was a, a newer film. But the fact that this, to us, was an older film, we wouldn't even think that this movie would have thought of this twist. Does that make sense? Like, we, like the technology to just, like, make him a robot is not there for me in my head, but they did it. I mean, I, I was talking about how 2001 was such an ambitious film for, like, the, the 60s. Um but this was such an ambitious film for the brink of the 80s slash 70s. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I, it's the fact that they were able to make it 
look even half convincing, right? Like obviously you can see the the strings that like bring it all together, like but it still looked really good. And like even the chest burster scene, the way they did that, which is practical effects, right? They had um uh the actor underneath the table with just like a fake his legs and like head and arms were sticking through the table and just a fake torso. So it looks like, you know, the thing's popping out of John Hurt, but it's not, right? And then this, it was like, you know, it was a lot harder to hide them, but I think you just kind of accept it. Um, the the scene where Ash is, like, beating the shit out of everyone, and then basically it almost is like he's going to tear Parker's chest off when he grabs yeah. him. I was just yeah. like, what is going it at that point, at that point, it should be obvious to me, but I think it's all happening so quickly and you're just kind of engrossed in it. You're like, what the fuck is going on here? You know, like, how is this little man doing this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what a great casting choice, too, is like casting someone that would just not you would not even think being capable of doing that. Um, you know, in Prometheus, they they cast Michael Fassbender. And if Michael Fassbender starts tearing the chest off people, I'd be like, oh, OK, I, I buy that. Not from this guy. Right. Well, and the guy the guy that plays Parker is six feet four inches too. He's a huge dude. And so like yeah, it makes it all the more like what is happening here. Um, I love when Ash starts explaining everything because I think it, it's it's once again I keep going back to Blade Runner, but it's like it's the it's laying down the bones for the rest of this movie like blade runner lays down a lot of stuff that it doesn't necessarily get into as far as like what what actually qualifies as life and like you know you know who gets rights and all that and then this one they set up how badass this alien is with ash you know he's like it's pure it's a survivor it has no morality it has no remorse it's a it's a perfect like killing machine and that company wants it for um for a war machine. It was funny too, is like I the ver- I had I don't think I had a remastered version, so I don't remember seeing the company's name. And so when they show the company's name in uh Prometheus, I was like, that doesn't mean anything to me. But like everyone who saw it is like, oh yeah, alien. But but what this movie does a great job of is setting up how much of a much of a killing machine this alien is for future movies, even though in this one, uh Sigourney Weaver kind of dispatches it very easily. And yeah, it kills a bunch of people, but we don't get to see it's like true raw power. But the setup for those later movies is is great. Yeah. Um, when when we get to the ending um, of the movie where she opens up the, the hatch and like blows it away through the through the airlock reminds me of the scene in Infinity War where uh, uh, Peter Parker's like, have you seen that really old movie Alien? And then does the same thing to the villain in, All right. in that film. Opens up the airlock. Um, so, I, so uh, I was just waiting for that uh, for her to do that, and I forget, and I forgot how. Because obviously, we're watching the movie. She gets into the pod. She cryo freezes Jonesy, and she starts stripping down, relaxing almost. And I'm like, there's 13 minutes of this movie left. And I know the alien is in there, but I'm forgetting how this all plays out. And then she like goes to the control panel or something, right? And the alien head is exposed. But like I said, it looks like part of the ship because the same guy 
designed everything about this movie. Um, and I was like, is that the alien? Like, I'm thinking about it in my head. I was like, that's the alien's head. I'm like, if not, that just looks like the alien's head. And then it moves. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> that's scary. That was my second jump scare. Ash was the first. The alien in the in the escape pod moving was my second. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we skipped over a little bit, but it's kind of just like it's not very heavily like plot, you know, so she decides to blow up the ship and get in the pod. She sets the 10 minute timer and it says you have 10 minutes till it blows up and you can override this for five more minutes. And I was like, all right, so is that going to I guess that's going to come into play, right? Like, why would they tell us that? It comes into play immediately. <laughs> well, it has to. It's only five minutes. But the xenomorph is just chilling there in the way. It just so happens to be in the hallway she needs to get to. So she, then she goes back. Miss is turning it off by half a second. So she's like, all right, well, fuck. Now I have to just go the same way. Right. And when she runs into the pod and he's not there, I was like, he's totally in the fucking pod. Well, like, she there, runs back I it, to get Jonesy, the cat, right? Because she fucking leaves the cat there. And then she runs back to go double backs and go get the cat. And I love she goes get she she gets the cat. Like she goes out of her way to get Jones. And then when she gets to the escape pod, she just fucking throws Jones in the cage, like just nonchalantly into the escape pod. Like, fuck you, Jones. Well, yeah, well, she went back to get him while Parker and Lambert were dying, which is why she couldn't get to them in time. And then, yeah, she goes down that hallway and the xenomorphs are sitting there and she just like tosses the cat at him and runs back. And then, yeah, and so she can't blow it up in time and she goes back and, yeah, she just throws him in the pod. Um, There was some like people weren't really happy with like how like she stripped down so much. And like, they thought it was a little bit, you know, lecherous or whatever. You're just doing this to titillate the audience, but it's like, she was getting in the cryo freezer. And in the beginning they were like very wearing very little clothing. Um, so it's like, those were like the tiniest underwear though. Like the bottoms she was wearing, <laughs> like they, they could have chose something maybe a little bit. Let me tell you something funny about that scene. Are you ready for this? Cause this blew my mind. Okay. The outfit choice for Ripley's character at the end was completely Sigourney Weaver's choice. Um, she actually wanted to be butt ass naked for the entire ending. And Ridley Scott's like, no, we can't do that. Um, so there's a quote uh, during the commentary for the movie by Ridley Scott. Um, he said she refused to pull up her panties and shave her minge at all. We had to pay someone in 1979 something like $5,000 to airbrush all of her pubic hair on every single cell of the film, and it took weeks. Can you imagine that being your job, too? <laughs> it's like weeks, weeks uh, to, to get each hair out. What'd you do today, honey? <laughs> I like the, the very ending, the way the aliens blasted out. It, it's very, it's very, like, quick, too, like, or... It, it's quick once it happens, but like the, it's very like systematic the way she like she hides and she puts the suit on very slowly. And when she's putting the suit on, you kind of know what she's gonna do. And then she sits down and puts the seatbelt on. Basically, um, I don't know what she uses to hit the alien to draw it out, but like all of that is really cool. You do get to see like the alien look almost. It's like the other time that it looks super fake, right? Mm -hmm. uh, as it's like just hanging out the door, you see the whole alien, and then. When it starts to climb back through the jet engine, I was like, oh, man, like, obviously, we're running out of time in the movie. But I was like, this thing, yeah, you know, it won't stop. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think it's like a mini harpoon. I mean, don't ask me why they have a mini harpoon in in like their their pack, but yeah, I think it, it looked like a mini harpoon. You're absolutely right. When the when the alien is crawling back through the jet engine, how is like how long are they gonna like <laughs> churn this out? And then she turns on the engines and it just burns it all to hell. And I was like, okay, all right, now the movie's over. It, it, when I first was watching the ending of this, and you know, you also see like how much time is left. I was like, okay, they're probably gonna just she's gonna have gotten off the ship because a lot of these older movies didn't have these fourth fifth and sixth endings they sort of ended very like naturally and so i was just like okay she got on the ship and i was like maybe you know the alien won't be there but i was like it just doesn't make sense in this scenario but it's like older movies would tend to not have these like drawn out endings they would have like a just a more conventional one but this you know didn't do i thought what you might have thought is how are they setting this up for the sequel, right? Like, how are they setting up this for aliens? And I thought one of the cool ways that they could have done this is that as the escape pod is escaping, um, it could show the alien being on the outside of the ship, like clinging on to the outside of the ship as they're going away. And then that cut to black being like that ending. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that could happen too. I, um, I have no idea what happens in Aliens. So I'm excited. I don't want to consider what. <laughs> yeah, until we watch it. Um, now that we're done talking, there are a couple like interesting casting things on this. Uh, Harrison Ford turned down the role of Captain Dallas. I um, I think that only would have made made the movie a little weirder having him in this part because it's like I don't know. Is this like that would be like one of the darkest roles roles he's taken or like the darkest movie you know that he's been in? Yeah. Like a straight horror movie. Um, apparently, Sigourney Weaver beat out Meryl Streep for the role. And also, this was around the time that uh, Streep was mourning the death of Streep was mourning the death of John Cazale. So that may have played into her not getting it. Uh, the other thing is, so Balaji Badeyao is the person who plays the alien. He's six foot ten. Do you know who he beat out to get that part? He They found him in a bar, um, and some guy was like, you'd be perfect for this, but do you know who he beat out? Who? Peter Mayhew, otherwise known as Chewbacca. Chewbacca. Yeah. I, for the longest time, didn't want to watch these movies just because they weren't really up my alley. Um, they're kind of a horror alien movie. like, But you know, you, you live long enough and you hear people talk about something glowingly enough. And then you watch like the exorcist, the thing, um, Halloween. And you're like, Oh no, these movies are actually really good. They knew how to make these in the seventies and eighties. And I'm really glad we watched it cause it is really good. And I'm excited to see aliens. And then I'm excited to see alien three. And, you know, I may stop, I might stop there, but, uh, I'm excited for those now. And so I'm glad that we did this. I'm I'm excited for you to watch Aliens. Um, I, you know, it's one of those, I feel like uh, a renowned sequel. Like people say, oh, the sequel is better than the original um, for a, a couple of films out there. I think this is one of them. But yeah, I, I like this whole like sci fi thing we're going and we're slowly transitioning into more horror stuff as our September, October movie choices are coming in. So this is uh, this is a good path for us. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Alon. And this is David. And today I finally watched Alien.